0: some of the icons you'll notice that the mountains look like waves and they're coming like this and the resurrection of christ i don't have it here but the resurrection of christ it almost looks like everything's coming up like it's a a tsunami something's gonna you know and it's because everything is being pulled toward you so that as you step forward to christ christ comes toward you
1: Welcome, everyone, to the Orthodox Christian Podcast. My name is Max Harwood, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Kuria Bonnie. And for those who may not know, Kuria is an honorific title in the Antiochian Orthodox Church for a priest's wife. So uh, Kuria Bonnie is married to a priest. That's why she's referred to as Kuria. But uh, I don't want to steal your thunder, Kuria Bonnie. So why don't you take a second to introduce yourself and tell everyone what you spend your time doing?
0: Okay. Um, I. I live in British Columbia in the Langley area, and I have a huge garden, and my husband's a priest. We have chickens and geese. We live on a small property. So I just love to garden, but the thing that I spend most of my time is is in iconography. So I am a, a master iconographer in the Antiochian church, and I um, I have worked in... Oh, about 25 years under Bishop Joseph. And um, I love I love uh, teaching iconography, and um, I just love being a priest's wife because then I get to be close to the church, you know, be uh, always involved. So it's wonderful. And
1: over that period of time, how many icons would you guess you've uh, written I guess would be the technical verb for that rather than painted
0: Mm. yeah we use the word written because uh, iconography is a way of communicating the gospel so it's preaching the gospel in color and in shapes and forms and um, so that's why the gospel is written we call it writing an icon because it's different than just painting a picture because we're depicting holy images and um, periods of time where Christ is central and where we we visit that time and that icon and it takes us there. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful bridge to the spiritual world. So I forgot your question, uh, what were you asking? Oh, How many
1: have you uh, written <laughs> oh, in those nice. 25 years? If you had to take <laughs> yeah. a shot in the dark.
0: <laughs> um, I have no idea. I, I've done so many, I've done a number of churches, um, 12, 13 churches in, in Northern, um, America and the states, states and here. So, uh, and then individual icons, I mean, hundreds and hundreds. I, <laughs> uh, I, I ever once in a while, I wonder myself, I, it, it, it's just uh, I, for everything from tiny to, you know, church size, huge, huge icon. So I have no idea. Hundreds. <laughs>
1: right. So lots of experience. And I, yeah. I would love to get into that as we go along. But I know yeah. that you didn't grow up in the Orthodox Church. You didn't grow up painting icons, as far as I know. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your religious background up to the point where you encountered Orthodox Christianity.
0: Okay. Well, my whole life, I've been an artist. My parents were artists. My grandparents were artists. So I was loving God from the from an early age. My parents were so generous with me to give me their faith. And um, they were Protestant. And one side was Methodist. And one side was Holy Roller um, Pentecostals. And then I took myself to the Baptist church because they weren't, my parents weren't attending church and I was an only child. And I was just really hungry for God. So um, my whole life I've been looking for a way to worship God and to love God and give to God what he's given me. So in other words, my artwork was always I was always trying to be about God or, or expressing my love for God. And when we, when we started studying about the Orthodox church, uh, the iconography was just a, you know, an automatic draw because I paint and draw. And, um, it was all set up for me. The tradition of the churches goes back hundreds and thousands of years to Luke the first iconographer who was a disciple of Christ. And and it was just amazing to me that that was an opportunity um, for anyone to dedicate their life and, and give themselves to that work in the church. So for me, it was like saying I could be a heralder of good news. I always wanted to be a missionary as a kid. So this was a chance to be a, a preacher of the gospel in the church without having, because I'm not a good speaker. I don't consider myself a very good speaker. So it's just amazing to me that I have that opportunity and it was just so wonderful. So
1: mm. I, and can you tell us a little bit about how your art changed over the years? Um, I know that you mm-hmm. said you wanted to essentially preach the gospel or do something together with mm-hmm. Christianity and art. So can you tell us how mm-hmm. that originally emerged and what that art looked like versus what it's become today
0: yes so when I first started thinking about how could I use my art for the church I was in junior high and high school so I started painting banners and kind of poster things with oh. you know pictures of Christ the resurrection I remember one that I did and I was I was just thought that is just wonderful. Um but it was just a picture. It, it, you know, I mean I had no I didn't know about iconography. I didn't know that there was a tradition in the church. And so as as we were studying about the Orthodox Church, I was <laughs> I was really drawn to to the, the fathers that were talking about how iconography, you know, relates to us in the church because the hymns in our church, the Orthodox Church are reflective of the iconography and the iconography reflects the hymns and everything was reflecting um, the, the word of God, the gospels. So there's just this continuity, it's all there. You just step into it and and uh, first I was I was trying I was sewing in the Orthodox Church I wanted to sew also I love I love everything to do with <laughs> so I was sewing vestments at first so there's a there was a lot of opportunities to try on chanting and and there there are just so many opportunities to serve in the Orthodox Church and that's what I was always looking for and and so before I came to the church it was always I always felt like oh. I wish everybody knew that I loved God. I mean, could I write it on there? I love God, this is why I'm painting. I mean, I don't know. I felt like I didn't really belong or fit anywhere because it was always kind of a letdown. You couldn't really convey what you wanted to say, what was in your heart. But when I came to the Orthodox faith, it was all there. There were rules, but not rigid rules. I mean, there there was a place for art and beautifying things. And there was a point to it. And it was all because Christ was incarnate that we can make an icon of God. Otherwise, we wouldn't know what he looked like. That's, you know, there'd be, you know. But yes, the glory is in his creation and all that. And I I love painting landscapes and all that. But this is different, you know. (laughs) Uh, the iconography, there's a point to it. Christ came as a man, and he was born of a virgin. So all these things are expressed. All the theology of the church is expressed in a very simple form for people to to make contact with the church so they can meet God in the icon.
1: Mm. And for those other Christian groups that you were part of prior to orthodoxy, was there any liturgical art in those spaces did they employ any like shapes or colors or or even images in either the the worship settings that you're part of like the sunday gatherings or in maybe a a home setting where maybe like a very simple version of that would be like a children's bible has pictures Mm -hmm. but sometimes it doesn't get much past that so could you talk about the kind of art that was employed in these other christian groups that you were part of
0: well, there wasn't a lot. I was, <laughs> I was looking. I, I, we had a journey that took us about ten years before we found the Orthodox Church. Um, we were asking for the ancient paths for years. We, as a church group, we were about eighty people, and um, in that process, we met the Benedictines. Um. They did pottery, and some of them did stained glass. Um, this was interesting, but it was more like make something that had a Catholic you know like they had very nicely made i mean, I was excited about it at the time. I look back and think, "Wow, really fell short of the of what the fullness I have now." But we were looking at crafts more like um, something to take home from your experience at the retreat center, the Benedictine Retreat Center. Um, And it would be things like uh, angels on roller skates, angels playing badminton or tennis, and angels on a boat, kind of, you know, God is with us, sort of kind of feeling. Um, Angels were big right then. Um, So uh, the stained glass window was fascinating to me. Um, That was an area I was very interested in. In the Methodist church my grandmother went to, there was this beautiful church. And that was really the place that also in the in the Benedictine Retreat Center, they had beautiful windows. There theirs was much simpler than the Methodists. The Methodists were almost like iconography. They would tell the whole, you know, a whole truth, you know, maybe the birth of Christ or the crucifixion or the resurrection, but it'll all be in glass. And I was actually thinking, you know, if I can't find anything else, that seems like that would be the fullest thing that I could do because at would completely express um, what I want to express, but as it turned out, the Benedictines, when we found out about Orthodoxy, we were talking to one of the the monks there, the one of the head uh, fathers, and he said, "You know, you have a choice to make. You can go, you can go Roman Catholic and the Benedictine way, or." You could go this more ancient path that you're talking about that has less changes through the years. They've stuck close. This Orthodox way is slower. It is more faithful to the original church. All the teachings and things that they were reading, these monks, were, were later um. Fathers, not the modern fathers, and then, and they said, you know, they love where they are, but if they had if they had someone asking because we were asking what was our their opinion about the Orthodox Church, they said they would they would go for the ancient way. Uh, they would they would recommend that if if we were so inclined. Wow. So, um, you know, there was iconography again, but you know, there were crosses in the church, but there wasn't much of so the Baptist church had beautiful plain windows. Sometimes they'd be decorated, but most of the time it was just a plain wall, you know, and maybe a beautiful cross if there was a cross. So, no, it was kind of void of of what I was craving, you know, the, to beautify the church, you know. <laughs>
1: right so, right and so you I, you started I going flowers to this oh, or go ahead.
0: something you know flower bouquet or something but that was about it sorry okay
1: okay and and yeah. just to make sure i've got the timeline of the story correct so um one of your parents was methodist well, the other was um more sort of pentecostal if i was yeah. understanding that my correctly bra- my you went yeah. okay and then you started yeah. going to the baptist church yeah. and you were there for a period of time did you um, from that go to this smaller community with Father Michael that was more uh, like charismatic and like communal living or was there something in between?
0: Well, what happened was I went to the Baptist church for a real long time. And then for some reason, I found this little, little church around the corner from my house. And since it was so close to my grandparents, uh, Pentecostal church in, in how they believed. I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll go there for a while. (laughs) And I did, it was easier to get there because I could always walk myself or whatever. And so I went there and then Father Michael and I had met each other at high school and he sort of showed up at this church because I was going there. (laughs) And so we ended up being there for quite a while, but that was through our high school Years, and it was good, but that's where I started painting posters and things. They had a theater group. That was quite good. Um, there was only a few people in it, but it was quite good and the kids that were involved were really dedicated. And so I was really dedicated to making posters or whatever, but it, you know, it was okay. You know, it's what, it's what I had. I was okay. I did a lot more art in high school, you know, uh, printmaking and things like that. But I, I hadn't really found what I wanted yet. I was just always looking for, for some way to express my love for God. And I felt like I had a purpose, I I think. I don't know. Mm. I'm just mm. Since there must be more. Sort of like like like, I felt like we were asking for the, like, what happened to the church where there were martyrs? And what happened to the church where people think more about how they look on the inside to God than how they look to each other? You know, I would go to retreats and the focus for the women and the the wives would be how to dress nice or how to put on pretty makeup or how to wear nice clothes and and how to how to speak, you know, in front of people or something. You know, it it kind of lacked um what I was looking for. I I was looking for like I want to be close to God. And at the time, Keith Green was really big. And so he was also going through a journey of kind of before internet, you know, you get you get um records that he'd make. Music was a big thing. So, um, you know, music was always something that I loved, too. So I I wrote songs, and I was a, a leader in the Baptist church and some of the other places that I went for worship. And in that, I felt like we were singing to God, but I wanted to I don't know. There was just this, there was something missing and I didn't know what it was, but I was still looking, you know, and then we, we ran into the Orthodox study Bible and we'd been also reading church fathers of his great history. And um, we contacted uh, the archdiocese because they had a number in the book. If you don't know what orthodoxy is or whatever. And so we started being catechized, and that's when I thought, aha, now this is, this might be, this might be something I could do, give myself to something here, because it, it's all set up to be part of the whole. I'm not going to be trying to reinvent, a, you know, my, you know, show my love somehow. It's like it's just, it's already there. It's kind of like a magnet. There's metal and there's the magnet and it just works, you know, and and there you are. And it's a solid thing and you have a foundation. So um, that was just wonderful.
1: Okay. So again, just to make sure I'm understanding you correctly, it sounds like you're pretty broadly artistic. So it's not just the visual arts, but it's also music that you're interested in and that in those different settings that you were part of, it felt like there were sometimes opportunities to contribute, but it wasn't necessarily an an essential ingredient to those communities. Whereas when you discovered the Orthodox Church, you found that visual arts and the music were Mm -hmm. integral to the actual worship of God. And they were done in, um, I don't know if you would say a style or just a manner that was very attractive to you. Is that accurate? Yeah, because
0: it was, the, the art was unique to the church itself. It wasn't, it wasn't a whole bunch of individuals trying to make up something. So, I don't know, where we're...
1: <laughs> well, you were saying that the art wasn't uh, just an individual's creation. It was something that had more mm-hmm. of a history behind it. It was more established mm-hmm. that there was mm-hmm. some kind of structure to it mm-hmm. that you could fall into that wasn't overly rigid, but it gave you a certain trajectory to keep you on, right. The, right. on the straight and narrow, as it were.
0: Yeah, it it was like a, a a puzzle piece. Like, you know, you have a wooden puzzle and it has a frame for it, and there's all these pieces. And you know that if you just take the time uh, through just, just praying, the piece is all kind of fit together as a whole. And, and you're, you're like, complete. I I felt before like there was always just this big open, (laughs) no structure, no pieces, just just wanting to be a part of something. And there was I didn't have anything to put together. And I wanted to be part of a whole that was had a purpose. Um, mm. and something something in me was just wanting to to express my love for god and And so, you know where do you find that when you're an artist? You know there were people reading books and people you know um, but to me it's 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 the music and and it's the beauty. That, that draws me to God and wants, wants me to express myself. So uh, in the Orthodox Church, there's this beautiful smells of the incense. There's the beautiful, the candles are soft and gentle and steady. And, and then you, you look around during a service and your eyes can just follow the life of Christ and, and the saints. And um, I don't know, it's just such a focus and it's all there. For us to to be close to god and and so I feel like I found that church that I was always looking for because um, in the services you can just hear the life of the martyrs through music and through through the readings and through the uh, the visual aid I call it you know in the in the church all over the church there different stories being told by these um, different people that have been martyred for their love of God and people who have um, brought forth Christ, you know, through, through time, through the prophets. And so you're never bored. And that's another thing when I going back to things I did as a Protestant, I used to sit and draw what the pastor was saying in his long sermons. I would illustrate them to my kids to keep them kind of quiet. <laughs> And so out of that kind of came, I don't know, this uh, that was the one thing that I thought, well, that's valuable because the kids got something out of it. And I kind of regurgitated all of this complicated thing to something simple that they could, we could talk about later, you know, and kind of entertain them at the time. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Okay. that I think that's really helpful for people that uh, may not be familiar with orth- orthodoxy or maybe are I'm not familiar with the Protestant setting just to compare and contrast. So art was Mm -hmm. definitely a big reason why you wanted to join the Orthodox Church and decided to. Were there other reasons that came to the fore when you were considering whether or not to join the Orthodox Church?
0: Well, after 10 years of reading different um, history of of the church in general, Um, after studying about, I'm just reading, we read so much scripture as, you know, through the years we would have competitions. We would see who could read the most uh, in the Bible over a year and we would check them off. This is through high school and college. And so we knew a lot of scripture, but then here here were stories and and um people in the desert that had lived lives christian lives, and all these scriptures were being kind of filled out. they were interpreting them a little bit different there seemed to be there seemed to be a solid theology that wasn't shifting all the time there, the ideas weren't new the ideas were solid there were there were thoughts of what what true love is is how we express how we live our lives how we interact with people um truth is valued over you know, well, let's just be relevant, you know, it just seems so solid. There were just so many things that were solid about the faith and were all about scripture, but it was an experience that people had, an experience with God. Um, and and there were tools in the Orthodox Church, like confession. Um, As a young mom, I would find with when I was in the um, Pentecostal church, I would find myself really frustrated and probably all the other moms too, um, not being, feeling like we're good enough as a mom or feeling like I needed help being encouraged uh, because most people were going to work and their jobs were so important. and. Uh, I felt, I often felt like I yelled at my kids too much or I, I didn't, uh, do something right or whatever. And I wanted to, I needed someone to help me and going to groups with other moms was good, but I found after becoming Orthodox that if I went to confession, and then this was something that I, I didn't know until I became Orthodox, going to confession wasn't just saying I did this I did this I did this but the the thing inside that's really festering and and you feel really lost and you you inadequate or or a bit guilty about it's kind of like going to the doctor and asking um can I get some I don't I don't know what I need exactly maybe I'm not eating enough something because I'm tired all the time you know it's like going to your father confessor, the priest, and saying, I'm having a hard time being a mom right now. It's not what I thought it was going to be. And I, I feel guilty that, that, you know, I'm tired of my kids. And I feel, I, I feel, you know, and they can say, well, you know, um, yes, and maybe you could work on, on maybe being a little more patient. Yeah, I got so angry, you know, and you can just kind of- and then, and then he can give you tools to say, well, here's something you could do. You could be thankful for this, and maybe this would work for you, and maybe you could read this, and, and go away feeling you're forgiven, by the way, for, you know, whatever it was. And you go away feeling like, oh, I can start over, and I have some tools now, and I have someone who's kind of watching over me, and... Um, the church is is safe that way that was another thing that was really wonderful and one one of the biggest reasons i wanted to join was because when i was in these different churches there was all kinds of people running things that i i didn't know them i didn't know their history or their background and you trusted them you wanted to trust them but who are they really and and where where does this faith come from well In the Orthodox church, it's been established for years. There are people who've gone before me and all these readings that I did and studying about the Orthodox church was really solid. And then there were bishops and priests. And so I could go to my bishop. If, if, if something was bothering me about my priest, I go to my bishop and I can say, wow i don't like that purple color he's wearing it really disgusts me and he can say well okay i'll talk to him or but it's a um, silly example but it's a safe place i i'm not i'm not entrusting myself to whoever it's like there's there's someone watching over me there's a head shepherd and then there are other shepherds and when it's a, it's just safe um Yeah, it's not just a bunch of people's ideas, but there's a, um, yeah, safety, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I hear what you're saying in the sense that, so first of all, you mentioned reading some of the early church fathers and Mm -hmm. some of the early monks and just seeing how they really lived a life that was Mm Christ-filled. And it connected with the scriptures that you were very familiar with, but there were some things that were surprising and exciting about it and that they were living a life that really felt connected with God. It wasn't sort of just like maybe a dry uh, recitation of of the content of scripture, but it was a living experience. And then it sounds too like a a big theme in your conversion to orthodoxy is finding structure. Because Mm -hmm. in the art, there was a structure in terms of the visual art. With the music, there was a structure. With the leadership, there was a structure. And, there was a, mm-hmm. and it, it went back quite a ways, so you could trust that the structure worked and produced good results, whereas right. it sounds like in some of the other communities you're part of, maybe things were um, more improvised or they were novel, and they, they may have worked, they may have not worked, but it was still that testing period, whereas the Orthodox Church has, over the years, developed a system that does work quite well, and so you can right. entrust yourself to that, and it sounds like that's maybe where you're getting right. the sense of safety yeah. from
0: safety and not having to come up with something that's interesting for people to draw people and get kind of like making things exciting for people or relevant for people or trying, trying to reach. Cause I was always thinking about, you know, how can I share my faith? But I don't know in the Orthodox church, basically what I say to people is, Oh, are you, if you're interested in, in my faith, you know, we'll get talking or something. I don't feel like, I have to do anything except bring them to church and let them experience what it is like to stand in a place where there's there's calm and beauty and and majesty and awe and worship. I know all those things it's so rich and and it's like a woven beautiful old-fashioned tapestry. Um it's not glitzy. It's not the latest thing. It's not, you know, it's, but it's, it's there and it's beautiful. So it's richness. And I, mm-hmm. I'm just so happy. I, I feel so blessed. And I'm so glad that I have these other places to worship all my life. I mean, I, where would I have been without them? Uh, but this is, this is like C.S. Lewis says, higher up and further in uh there's it's it's like an ocean compared to to what i had before there's there's everything that we need is there it's life giving it's the fountain of life the it is the true church i believe it is
1: mm-hmm. so i know that you spend a lot of time painting icons and i would love to talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. and if you could maybe give sort of a definition of what icons are, maybe some salient features that is unique to that style of art versus others um, mm-hmm. and maybe even some of the prominent symbolism and we'll just walk through that together
0: okay well, let me look at a I'll get an icon here and there's an icon of. Uh, saint Nicholas of uh, Myra, and uh, he is a very popular saint as far as the whole world round knows who Saint Nicholas is. And he's often referred to as Saint Nick, but um, he used to give he used to give money to young ladies and families that couldn't afford a marriage dowry. They had to have money for their their children to be married. And um otherwise they would starve most of these people if they didn't get married, these young women. So he would go at night as as, a, as an or as a priest, and he would put money in people's stockings. And he knew that they needed a dowry. And um that's one of the these things he's known for. He's also known for buying slaves and um redeeming their lives from slavery and setting them free so that they could worship God and have a life and not starve or, you know, be thrown to the lions or whatever it was. So um, he's a miracle worker. So after he passed away, there are stories of him rescuing people on ships or saving, saving them out of the water and drowning and all kinds of miracles. So he is known as one of the wonder workers and the reason that you know he's a saint and how you know he's a saint in the in the pictorial fashion orthodox church is that it he has the glory of god around him remember moses had the glory of god and his face shone so bright that he had to wear a cover when he came down cuz people couldn't look at him well this refers to that same glory that's in all saints who, who have been glorified and we can see with our eyes, we can't take it in our, <laughs> but in, in the pictures, in all the Orthodox um, iconography, and here's one of St. Paul, he has the glory of God around him. So this is called a halo and it's a circle because it represents eternity. So those who are full of the Holy Spirit are those who who live to God, so they they never die, even though they've died in the body, they live forever because God's not uh, a God of those who are dead, but those who are living. Right? So um, we depict Saint Paul. He has a certain beard and a certain forehead. There are there are when I talked about puzzle piece and and having a piece that goes in a spot that fits. Each saint in the Orthodox Church has his own features. Um, St. Peter, for instance, he had short, tight beard with curls and kind of white, early white hair and and curlyish white hair. So you can find these saints as you get to know them. They're all pictured the same way. Christ is always pictured. He always is recognized by having a cross in his halo. And that's how we can always know that's Christ because he's the only one as an infant, a young man or uh, 33 years of age about. He always has the cross because he is our savior and he's who, who, who gave himself on the cross. He always has a specific color that in iconography is used to to speak to us, so there's the heavenly and there's the heavenly, and then there's also the the earthly, and the earthly color um, is the flesh um you know the red it can also be a heavenly color it can it, these two can can go back and forth this is also a mystical color so um the The gold. There's lots of gold in Byzantine. I do Byzantine iconography. There's a lot of gold, and the gold represents heaven. So all of the saints and and those who have gone before are present in the Orthodox Church as you step into the main part where where everybody's gathered uh, to pray and their saints to to remind us of their lives and to remind us that they're alive in God now and we can ask for their help and we're surrounded by a host of heaven and they're watching us and praying for us and we can we are there in their presence and so when you walk into a church it's almost like you're walking into a giant family and you belong there and so um I don't know if that gives you a taste.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's really helpful. I've got 3 questions. 1's a follow up to what you just said. So I've wondered this and maybe you can point me in the right direction or let me know if it, if it sounds right. But I've wondered sometimes with the halo, the placement is around the head, which seems significant to me in that the thing that's unique about humans versus other creatures is that we do have the ability to reason and -hmm. that that is a connection with God. And that it's that sometimes in the church fathers, they talk about human humans as sort of the the meeting place of earth and heaven. And in relation to the things of earth, they're physical. They can feel things like they're sensate. St. Maximus talks about this sometimes. But in relation to the heavenly things, so they would talk about angels and God, they're able to reason. They have an intellectual capability. And that's not meant as sort of a, a dry intellectualism but it's something that is particular to humans and unique about them and so i've wondered sometimes with the halo being around the head do you feel like there might be some sort of connection with um, humanity's unique place in the cosmos as creatures that can reason and that that is how they uh, connect with this heavenly realm that they have that in uh common with angels and and god
0: i think as well as our reasoning we have we have a soul and the soul can be put under our reason and our soul is drawn to heaven because it originated from god it's given to us by god so the heavenly is so present with us that's why that's why there's that emptiness when we're not close to god because we're looking, what is it? What is it that that I need? I need something. That there's a hunger. And it's that heavenly, I think that's why there's so much gold in, in all the iconography. It's not stories about uh a portrait with a picture of a picture and all these things that are insignificant in most iconography. There are things like that at times, like the mystical supper, where they're eating at a table. But most of the time, the heavenly in in Byzantine this is why I like Byzantine actually it kind of answers your question in a roundabout way. The gold is surrounding his whole being, and one way of expressing that is is around our head, and I think you could say yes to what you're saying and also. That, because we are spiritual beings, and we're we have souls and animals don't have souls, and things don't have souls, we need God to live it's the very it's it's like the water, it's like the air, it's like everything that we need. God is the main thing we need, and so if we are in God, he is around us. One of the things encapsulates us and keeps us safe. One of the things that we use in iconography, this is, it. this is the yolk of the egg, which is the center of the egg, which is the life of the egg, which represents Christ. Now this egg yolk mixed with the pigment is ground together and then it's floated in this and it's painted on these, all these areas, and and years later you can go and try to scrape them apart, and you're going to scrape the whole thing off or nothing because they weld to each other. You know how an egg is on a plate if you leave it in the sun or your car, <laughs> you can't get it off hardly. So it becomes a resin. So Christ, the pigment is is. In Christ, so we are in Christ, and this is all relates to iconography. And your question is, we are in Christ, and no one can take us away from Him. We can't be separated, you know. Uh, and so, the the gold and the in all the iconography, and especially sometimes you can't afford that much gold, so you just put it around your head, you know. But this does represent that God is with us, and it's an eternal with us. Like, we won't be separated from God. There's eternal life promised us. So it's, it's, it's us and him together. And that's how the church is, and that's why I talk about safety, is you're no longer a part of something that somebody kind of created and is trying to be close to God, but they're human. And, and I'm not saying we don't, we aren't human in the Orthodox church, but, but there is a tried and true structure that was passed down from Christ himself to the apostles, to, to those under them. And so there, there is a, again, a, a solidness to our faith Um that is not erratic, or you know, it's it's the faith of slow, patient, quiet, solid, steady. You know, that's mm. so, yeah. And then, you know, there's there's so much to to the way the icon is made, so that it doesn't look like a normal, just a a painting of of a person, a beautiful, a beautiful forehead, a beautiful this, a beautiful that uh, earthly beauty that you can just reach out and touch and you just think, oh my gosh, you kind of seduced by the beauty of it. The icon is made so that it's it's kind of a flat, severe, uh, the eyes are extremely uh, important, but the mouth is extremely small. And it's what it's speaking of is self-control, what we say, what we eat, our eyes take in everything. And they are the center, they be, they're like the, the entrance of our, our, what our soul feeds on. So you have to be, you know, your eyes are very important, what we see. So the icon is built to just speak over and over again about our inner life. And the fact that we are spiritual, and that's why we meet God in the icon, because everything about the icon is written for our spiritual, for our inside person.
1: Well, it's really interesting that you mentioned the eyes in particular, because I know that um, in modern studies in psychology, they have noted a parallel between the dilation of the pupil. And how much someone is is thinking, or how relaxed they are, and they'll mm-hmm. refer to it sometimes as the window to the soul. And so it's really interesting to me how we sometimes have these ancient forms that are communicating these things, and then yeah. science catches up to that and realizes that it's, yeah. it's totally true.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Now, I was I was curious about um, two other aspects um, that I would take as sort of hallmarks of icons i know one of them is um that the source of light is really interesting in icons in terms of there's not a lot of shadows that are being cast in the pictures and from what i've heard it's because the source of light is actually coming from the figures themselves as you were saying that they have been transfigured and illumined that the Mm -hmm. light of christ has actually filled them in totality Um, so if you could talk about that as well as uh the reverse perspective we see Mm -hmm. in icons because i know they've got these funny lines sometimes and from what i understand it's because Mm -hmm. the the lines are actually extending beyond the frame of the picture and it's meant to meant to draw us in but but you're the expert so go ahead
0: yes and and c.s lewis sort of had that um, that thought when he i don't know if you've read all his all the narnia books i just love them because the kids were looking at this ocean scene in this picture And as they get closer, they realize it looks so real. And the closer they get, now they're inside the painting. And what just happened? Well, this is meeting God in the icon. So much like that, because what's happening here, the, the Bible's sort of coming toward you instead of away from you. So normal perspective is the railroad track, there's a train going, and as it goes away, it's getting smaller. Right? That's that's the perspective from the enlightenment. And makes, you know, to us that's how that's that's how we see. But what happens here is that God has come to us. God has revealed Himself to us, and so much so that the icon is shifted so that it's not naive that they're drawing like children. No. No, there's a purpose. It's consistent. The tables that the 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 Last Supper, or what we call the mystical supper, is tilted so that you can see what's on the table. Everything is is looking for you. Even the top of the head can be seen more than a normal head. Everything comes toward you. Why? Because you're the vanishing point, and you're you're the one. It, it's the further away it is. The clothes it's coming toward you in some of the icons you'll notice that the mountains look like waves and they're coming like this and the resurrection of Christ. I don't have it here, but the resurrection of Christ. It almost looks like everything's coming up like it's a a tsunami. Something's going to, you know, and it's because everything is being pulled toward you so that as you step forward to Christ, Christ comes toward you. And this is this is God to us. He reaches out to us and draws us in. And this is this is how we meet God in the icon.
1: Right, right. And that's a profound theological point that the source of reality is God and that's being emanated out to us, rather than the reverse, where we can think in a subjective way that we're the source of reality and other things just have this accidental existence, but it it reverses that in a very profound way. And I I even like how you pointed out that we're at the vanishing point, you know, we're sort of at the place where we're in the shadows and we need to come forward into Mm -hmm. the light, which is a really beautiful point. And another thing
0: that's pretty interesting is that everything that's built on the icon starts in the very darkest color. So I would have a very, very dark, dark, deep burgundy. And then as as I spend time, because the icon is done, as we say the Jesus prayer or we are praying, and so... As as this is built up layer by layer, it's becoming brighter and brighter, especially the face starts very dark, starts like this brown, almost green color. And then there's maybe seven or eight layers built out onto it. And this is like when we come to Christ, we are in darkness. We've not been illumined, but slowly uh, and then through baptism, we are illumined, you know and uh this this is again in the icon it's revealed this way of of being you know from from the base to the outside it's not put something on and look good no it's it's like change your whole being Uh, And God is helping you. It's not like you're trying to do this on your own. That's another beautiful thing. I don't do art on my own anymore. It's like it's there. And I I just show up and and talk to God and everything's there. There are prototypes for me. And um, I've been doing this for so many years that a lot of the saints have become my friends. And so when I'm talking to them, I'm working with them in here. And there's maybe a big image. And then I send it away to a church. Oh, like the the person's gone. Because because what God is doing is just speaking to us in all the ways that, that we relate through our eyes, through our um through our heart mostly. But this gives us a place to connect. That's why we can meet God in the icon. It's a tool for us to rise up in worship and to rise up to the heavenly realm.
1: Hmm. Would you <laughs> say that there's any other um either uh salient features that sort of you see in all icons that would be helpful for people to notice or if there's um maybe particular symbols that reoccur so with that second question i'm thinking more of something like a mandorla that sort of circular Mm -hmm. or that diamond shape that comes up maybe you could talk Mm -hmm. about that but if there's any other
0: uh yes that's a good that's good Uh so Ooh, I just happen to have them on the top. Okay. This, we just celebrated the transfiguration. This is a prototype that I have. And behind Christ, he's the center. Behind Christ is what you were calling a mandala. Or sometimes I say it wrong, but yeah, you have to spell it out for me. But anyway, there's that one. And then, and this is the Dormition, we're going into, uh, we're in Dormition time right now. So the heaven is open, Christ is holding his mother's spirit here. This is Christ and this is her body. And so this is heaven opening here and, and there are angels back in here. And what these represent, and also the halo is the same thing, only it's, it's the most common and those are for our eyes to see. This is something that only spiritual people see. This is something that's God is revealed to the apostles like on the mount where Christ was transfigured. They saw this and you're seeing this in an icon. So it's like God is unzipping heaven and falls away our our time and space fall away and we're this little wedge of heaven is being revealed to us. And some of us can't handle it. I mean the disciples hit the ground. <laughs> you know, it was overwhelming when when Christ was transfigured. And and so this is what happens and this is why we have the icon is to show us these times and and space and history and so we don't have to live just here, but we're living through Lent. We can travel uh, through the different feasts and through the crucifixion. Sometimes we bring the icon out into the area from, it. I'm back in church now, so in my head, I'm going back into church and it's where we're all gathered together during Lent and Christ is about to be crucified in one of the services. And so they have an icon of Christ on the cross and they bring it out and they put it up among us for us to participate in that time. But actually, what happens is we're participating in that time. I mean, it it's like there. You know, you're experiencing it. So so this is this is something that is unique to the icon, is is There are so many things can be jammed in an icon. So this, this one, it talks about the disciples falling down here. It talks about Moses and Elijah, you know, they're there and it tells the whole story in one small. Place In the nativity, which I don't have, there's the mountain, there's the angels, there's the, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things all put in one icon to tell a complete story. So each one is sort of like a book in itself that opens up. And if we know that there's a halo, and the halo means that that is an eternal being there, and that person is emanating the the glory of God, You know, all these things speak to us and tell us a story. So these are things we can learn about the icon. And um I think the halo and the gold in the icon are the main the main thing is that God is with us. God is with us. We're not glorifying, we're not glorifying the person of Nicholas, the the guy. We're glorifying we are amazed that he allowed, he stepped aside and allowed, like he, he decided to follow Christ. And because he did that, he was filled with God. That's what we want to emulate. And so that's why we hold them up to, to us to see, to emulate these people and also to experience part of their story. There are prayers that go with most icons They're called Akathist hymns that you can find for St. Nicholas or for Christ or for the Theotokos in our church, the mother of God. And they explain as we're praying, they talk about who they were and why they became this saint and how they sacrificed or what it was that happened to them and how how God did these miracles through them. And then we're asking for their help. So that it's like getting to know somebody's backstory. We have all of these prayers and they take us into a relationship with the saint. We're spending time with them, talking to them. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, two things that I wanted to touch on from what you just said. So you mentioned that there's a sense that we're brought up to heaven during the liturgy. And I think that um, one way to get at that idea is that we often think of time as just horizontal. But then from an ancient perspective, time is also vertical. And so you have these moments when you go to church, particularly, say, at like Pascha or Easter, where it's uh, an elevated experience. And there's a sense that Easter, like the very first Pascha, the very first resurrection of christ and the you know easter or Pascha of 2023 those are actually closer together than maybe something in the chronology that falls in between because you've got these higher moments that are bringing you closer to god um so that might be a helpful way for some people listening to to think about it as time has this vertical aspect and then another thing that you mentioned was the saints and how they aren't in competition with christ because it's christ being manifest through the saint because ultimately in christianity our hope is that we're able to put on christ and to become christ mm-hmm. and that's what you know, disciple is all about and so then there are these people in the history of the church that have put on christ to such a degree that they're they're a safe vector we can go through them to christ and it's not yes. as if we're just worshiping them and honoring them it's that we actually find christ through them and that's right. why they've become so significant in the life of the church, that it's, a, it's like an, a miniature incarnation, as it were. Obviously, the incarnation of Christ is unique, but mm-hmm. it continues in these people's lives, and they become little versions of Christ to us.
0: Right. Christlets. Christ. We, are, we, are, we are called Christians because of that. Antioch was the first place that, that the disciples were called Christians. Little Christ. So, And when we converted, there was 80 of us. Uh, uh, the, the oldest lady was 80-something. The youngest was probably three months or something. And as we came into the church, we were asking our bishop, what is it that we should name ourselves? We all these people, we we're all going to change our names. He's going, oh, don't do that. You become St. Bonnie. You become, but you want, you know, at, at your, at your baptism, the Orthodox takes a name that you can live your life after. So I took, I took St. Tabitha. Sometimes the name is given you and sometimes you, you, you feel drawn to a saint. So St. Tabitha was from Joppa and she was the lady that St. Peter raised from the dead. And she had made all these clothing for, for people, that that needed clothing. And this was, this was her thing. And I thought, Oh, I want to be like her. And I started sewing. That's where I started. (laughs) Um, And so, and so we have these, we have these people we can kind of emulate right in the hope that we too could be so, so in love with God and find his, his kindness so sweet that we just want to pour back our life to him in some little way. If it's, if it's knitting or, or, cleaning the church or planting flowers, you know, to give to people, um, to cheer them up. What is it that I can do, you know, and give back out of his generous love for us? So I feel like this is why I love to teach because someone took me under their wing when I became Orthodox. I was so crazy to become Orthodox and, and become an iconographer after I tried on some other things. Um, I knew that was it I you know sewing's nice, but uh Channing's okay, but this is where I, I live in painting, and I feel like that I could live in this and so um, I had teachers who taught me, and now I love to teach to get back so that's that's one of the things I love to do. Hmm.
1: and we We have a number of people that listen to the podcast that are interested in orthodoxy or exploring it for the first time. Would you have? any advice for someone in that situation
0: go slowly this is the most important thing you will do is 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 enter into the orthodox church this is it and take your time because your intention counts we were so kind of panicked. Everything today is sort of, you kind of panic. Well, what if this changes before I get there? What if what if I die before I get there? What if I, don't know, what if I, you know, frenzy kind of thing. Be at peace. When you enter the Orthodox Church, you're going to enter a safe, calm harbor away from all of the crazy. And you can just slow down and pray and listen and let the liturgy wash over you you don't have to be reading every second and grab everything and just be worried and figure everything out it's not going away the orthodox doesn't change this is a beautiful thing it's rich and it's eternal it's from the eternal one and it's going to take us into eternity i mean this is this is what we have is this treasure and so you're you're just entering this beautiful place of safety And you can just slow down and take what's given to you and just savor it and think about it. This is your life you're talking about. I mean, it's not something you should take lightly, but don't panic either. What if you pass away before you become orthodox, some people ask? Well, your intention, God knows your intention. God is God, after all. And and so all these fears and things we have, we have to rush and we have to hurry, this is the church of too much and all the time in the whole universe is for you. I mean, this is this is why you were created, is to be part of the church. So just like be at peace and and enjoy, enjoy your journey into orthodoxy. It's a beautiful time. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. I think that's a wonderful place to end it for today, Bonnie. So I want to thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for checking out that episode of the Orthodox Christian Podcast. If you haven't liked or subscribed a video, please do that. It really helps things out. And if you have a question about Orthodox Christianity, there is a link to a form in the video description, so you can also check that out and just submit your question there. You don't need to put your name or anything if you don't want, it can just be a question, and I'll get to those as they come in. In the meantime, have a peaceful
0: week.